We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go, episode 277 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Wednesday, March 23rd, 2022. It is good to have you with us. Pat yourself on the back. You've made a good choice in listening to this podcast. You see, listening to this podcast makes you feel better about yourself. You can't beat that. And listening to this episode of the podcast may well make you feel better about the commander's trade for Carson Wentz. Coming up, I have a special guest for you. Colts insider Mike Chappell of Fox 59 CBS 4 Sports in Indianapolis. Mike has covered the Colts since they came to Indy in 1984. He knows the Colts extremely well. He understands the inner workings, the machinations of the Colts extremely well. We're going to talk Carson Wentz with a particular focus on why truly the Colts traded him after just one season with them. Because here's the thing, and you may have noticed this recently, there has been a rising sentiment here in Commander's Land, in Commander's Nation, uh, that the Colts traded Carson Wentz after just one season with them because of the owner and CEO, Jim Irsay. In other words, that trading Wentz was an ownership-fueled decision that the head coach, Frank Reich, may not have wanted to trade Wentz, that maybe even the general manager, Chris Ballard, didn't want to trade Wentz. Is all of this, in fact, the case? Is it, in fact, true that Carson Wentz being traded by the Colts after just one season with them was more about Jim Irsay than that was about Carson Wentz? Or is all of this just all of us uh, trying to talk ourselves into the commander's Carson Wentz trade not being so bad? The truth about why the Colts traded Wentz matters a lot. Mike Chappell understands that truth maybe better than anyone in the media. We will get that truth from Mike in just a bit. I promise you, you do not want to miss this. Uh, hopefully, you did not miss what Malik Willis did at Liberty's Pro Day on Tuesday. He unleashed bombs. Uh, He looked really good. And I know you're supposed to look good at your Pro Day, but the commanders were very much in attendance at Liberty's Pro Day. Uh, Marty Herney was there. Scott Turner was there. Next segment, I'm going to talk Malik Willis and also talk Kenny Pickett of Pitt's Pro Day on Monday. You're going to hear about how those guys are looking regarding the 2022 NFL draft. And yes, we will get into this idea of the commanders potentially taking one of them or another quarterback in the first round or in 
the 2022 draft period. The Carson Wentz trade would seem to make it less likely that the Commanders will take a quarterback in the first round of the draft, if at all in the draft. But uh, what if the Commanders are really liking what they're seeing from Malik Willis and or Kenny Pickett and or somebody else. Uh, also on the show, I will discuss the introductory press conference for new Maryland basketball head coach Kevin Willard on Tuesday evening. Uh, Willard said some grand things. He uh, also said some unintentionally funny things. Uh, and I will talk Capitals. A bad night for the Caps on Tuesday night. A 5-2 loss to the St. Louis Blues at Capital One Arena. Although Alex Ovechkin and Evgeny Kuznetsov continue to play well. The Caps' top two Russians continue to play well. I tell you, the Caps' top two Russians are doing a lot better right now than Russia's military, uh, which is having quite the difficult time in this war with Ukraine. Are you following this? I mean, look, war is awful. War is horrible. The sooner that this thing is over, the better. Okay, let's make that crystal clear. But when this Russian invasion of Ukraine started... The general feeling, right, was that Russia was going to steamroll Ukraine. You know, Russia was like a three-touchdown favorite over Ukraine. And instead, Ukraine certainly seems to be more than holding its own. I mean, this to me is inspiring. I'm not kidding. You know, Russia, with all of its military might, was supposed to have this war wrapped up a while ago. And instead, here we are now, weeks later, the war is still going on. And Ukraine seems to be doing a lot better than most people thought that Ukraine would be doing. Uh, I know that there's a lot of propaganda in war, so you don't always know what to believe. And I'm certainly not trying to dress up uh, what's happening here as a good thing. Again, war is always a horrible thing. What has happened to the country of Ukraine, what has happened to the people of Ukraine is tragic. But as best as we can tell, Ukraine is fighting its guts out and is doing much better than it was supposed to be doing. So Good for Ukraine. Team Vladimir Putin is apparently choking in this war. Uh, do not forget to subscribe to the Al Galdi podcast. If you don't already do that, subscribing costs you nothing. Make sure that you never miss an episode. Also, please do the double R's, rate and review. If you're listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, please give the podcast a five-star rating and please write a brief one or two-sentence review saying how much that you like the podcast. You can also now give the podcast a five-star rating on Spotify. Uh, you can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Tweet from Kevin on how I should refer to the team now known as the Commanders. Writes Kevin, Al, I love your podcast, but as someone who hates the Redskins' new name, it's like death by a thousand paper cuts getting through an episode. The C word is said, Every 10 seconds on average, please, Al, for the love of God, mix in an occasional Washington or football team. Thanks. Uh, thank you, Kevin. Uh, every 10 seconds on average. Uh, geez, that does sound like a lot. Uh, I hear you, Kevin. Look, Commanders is new. It's going to take a while for all of us to get used to Commanders, if we ever get used to Commanders. However, ain't no way that I'm saying football team, okay? Football team is not a name. Football team was never a name. Washington football team was not a name. That was a placeholder reference to the team while it had no name. So I am not saying football team. The football team traded for Carson Wentz. No, sorry, I'm not doing that. Uh, when it comes to calling the team Washington, so my problem with Washington 
is that it sounds distant. It sounds too formal. You know, I would never call the Nationals Washington. I always say Nationals or Nats. I would never call the Capitals Washington. I always say Capitals or Caps. Uh, I would never call the Wizards Washington. I call them the Wizards or the Wiz. So why would I call the Commanders Washington? Uh, To me, calling your home team by the name of the city is like calling your mom by her first name, okay? Unless the two of you have an estranged relationship, you call your mom, mom, or some version of that. You don't call your mom, Cindy, or, I don't know, Tanya. Uh, What I've mostly done with the commanders is call the team by whatever it was when what I'm talking about was happening. So if I'm talking about something from back in the day, I say Redskins. If I'm talking about something from the last two seasons, I say Washington. And if I'm talking about something in the now, I say Commanders. Uh, That's the approach that I've taken. It is by no means a perfect approach, but I'm definitely not referring to Joe Gibbs as an all-time great Commanders head coach, okay? Joe Gibbs had nothing to do with Commanders. Thank goodness, okay? No way am I ever calling Joe Gibbs an all-time great Commanders head coach, at least not in a serious way. But I'm also not going to (laughs) pretend like the team doesn't have a new name and just call the team Washington. Again, way too formal for a team that is your team. Look, I don't like the name Wizards, okay? They, to me, should still be the Bullets. Uh, That name should have never changed, but uh, I don't call the Wizards Washington. That just would feel awkward. I mean, I'll call the team Wizards and just continue to hope like heck that someday the team goes back to being called the Bullets. But Kevin, I do get where you're coming from. I do. I mean, to me, it remains very debatable, highly debatable, whether the name should have ever changed to begin with. But the name, of course, has changed to, uh, wait, what is it? Oh yeah, Doug Williams. What's the name? What is the new team name? Doug, what is it? We are the Commanders. (laughs) (laughs) We are the Commanders. The Commanders. The Washington Commanders. That's right. Uh, Oh wow, you're not wasting any time there. There it is. Yes, Jason, there it is. Uh, Email from Will. From the 276 on something that I talked about at length on Tuesday's show, which coincidentally was episode 276. Uh, Why the commanders should not have regret over having traded for Carson Wentz instead of trading for Matt Ryan off him being dealt by the Atlanta Falcons to the Indianapolis Colts for just a 2022 third round draft pick. Writes Will, Matty Ice to Indy, the former WFT avoided that WTF move. Career worst QBR last year. I can't say I'm in love with the Carson Wentz move, but I'm sure as hell happier than I would have been with Matt Ryan. Always love the show, Al. Keep up the amazing work. Well, thank you very much, Will. Uh, Yeah, so I agree with you, and I talked about this on Tuesday's show. I was reading some interesting pro football focus data on Matt Ryan. It's worth knowing this. So Matt Ryan in the 2021 regular season, for which he, yes, had the worst total QBR for ESPN of his career, had a clean pocket grade for pro football focus of 90.4. That's actually excellent. Uh, And a quarterback's clean pocket PFF grade is one of the best ways to determine truly how good the quarterback is. Now, Ryan in the 2021 regular season had a PFF grade of just 50.1, went under pressure, okay? That's not good, but that clean pocket grade was very good. And like I said, clean pocket PFF grades are far more stable and predictive 
that under pressure grade. So if you're trying to make the case that Matt Ryan might be the better option than Carson Wentz, you can make that case. I still though believe that Carson Wentz offers more upside than Matt Ryan offers. Uh, email from Mike P on the commanders trading for Carson Wentz. Writes, Mike, I will admit I was not a fan of the trade for Wentz, but after some thought, I'm actually feeling optimistic. Yes, Wentz can be careless and try to do too much, but even with all of these mistakes and careless acts with the ball, he still managed to throw 27 touchdown passes to just seven interceptions last season. He still has a rocket of an arm. Teams are going to have to respect his arm, which is something that teams did not do with Taylor Heineke. I believe Wentz also opens up the playbook more. Limitations with Heineke really restricted Scott Turner's options. If Wentz puts up similar numbers to what he put up last season and takes us to the playoffs with a possible win, the $28 million will seem like a good deal. And if he doesn't do these things, then that'll be the last $28 million that he receives from the commanders. I'm starting to be a Wentz believer. Too soon. Uh, no, Mike, not too soon. It's never too soon to be a believer. Uh, what's impossible to ignore with Carson Wentz are the red flags, the reports of him lacking in leadership and not being coachable, the fact that the Colts traded him after just one season with them. But the things that you brought up in your email are valid points. I mean, I would caution you with the seven interceptions. Wentz in the 2021 regular season threw many more interceptable passes than just seven. Uh, he did benefit from good interception luck. But yeah, I mean, as we get further and further away from the Carson Wentz trade having been agreed on on March 9th, I think we are starting to see, okay, there is some reason for hope here. There is some reason for optimism here. Uh, I will never love the trade. I will never love the acquisition because of all of the red flags. But that doesn't mean that I'm not open to the possibility of Carson Wentz, of Commander Carson actually doing well with the commanders. And I certainly am rooting like heck for him to do well with the commanders. Up next, Malik Willis. Uh, he looked very good at his pro day on Tuesday, just as Kenny Pickett looked very good at his pro day on Monday. Now, again, top NFL draft quarterback prospects are supposed to look good at their pro days, but the commanders had major representation at the Pickett and Willis Pro Days. Should the commanders be seriously considering taking either guy in the first round of the 2022 draft? I'll get to that after this. The Al Galdi Podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, we all deserve to be happy, but not everyone is happy. Is there something interfering with your happiness or something that is preventing you from achieving your goals? Uh, are you or someone you care about dealing with depression or struggling with anxiety? Uh, this is where BetterHelp comes in. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist in less than 48 hours. Now, understand, BetterHelp is not a crisis line. Uh, BetterHelp is not self-help. BetterHelp is professional therapy done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. And BetterHelp is available for clients worldwide. Uh, BetterHelp is convenient. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist from whom you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room 
as you do with traditional therapy. Uh, BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, and so BetterHelp makes it easy and free to change therapists if needed. And BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline therapy, and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. You deserve that. And so here's a special offer. Uh, go to betterhelp.com slash Galdi. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Galdi, G-A-L-D-I. And you'll get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp. Yes, 10% off an entire month. Just go to betterhelp.com slash Galdi and get 10% off your first month. Uh, Look, the stigma of depression and anxiety is gone. Uh, I know plenty of people who've dealt with depression and or anxiety. Heck, sports are filled with people who've gone public with their mental health struggles. Uh, Mark Rippon, John Patterson, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Michael Phelps, Serena Williams, Ronda Rousey. You deserve to be happy. Get help. Get better help. Go to betterhelp.com slash Galdi. That's betterhelp dot com slash Galdi. All right, before we get to our special guest, Colts insider Mike Chappell of Fox 59 CBS 4 Sports in Indianapolis on why exactly the Colts traded Carson Wentz. Uh, this week is a big week regarding quarterbacks in the 2022 NFL Draft. Uh, Four big pro days this week. Uh, Monday was Pitt's Pro Day, which featured Kenny Pickett. Tuesday was Liberty's Pro Day, which featured Malik Willis. So Wednesday will give us Ole Miss's Pro Day, which will feature Matt Corral. And Thursday will give us Cincinnati's Pro Day, which will feature Desmond Ritter. Uh, The commanders so far this week have had significant representation at Pickett's Pro Day and Willis's pro day. Uh, you know where I stand on the commanders potentially taking a quarterback with their number 11 overall pick in the 2022 draft or in the first round of the 2022 draft or just in the 2022 draft period. I want the commanders open to taking a quarterback. I do not want them to not take a quarterback in the first round of the draft or in the draft at all because they now have Carson Wentz. Uh, Having Carson Wentz should have zero impact on whether the commanders take a quarterback in the 2022 draft. The determining factor in whether the commanders take a quarterback in the 2022 draft should be whether they like a quarterback or quarterbacks in the draft. Uh, Quarterback is too important of a position and there are too many questions with Wentz to just be blindly going all in on him and removing even the possibility of drafting a quarterback, especially in the first round. Here to me is the nightmare scenario. The commander's pass on Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis or whomever because the team already has Carson Wentz. Wentz ends up being a big bust this coming season and Pickett or Willis or whoever ends up being a stud NFL quarterback. You know, that to me is the nightmare scenario for our franchise quarterback starved commanders that they could have had this guy who ends up becoming a stud NFL quarterback, but the commanders chose not to have that guy because they already had Carson Wentz. The reason for the commanders to not take quarterback in the 2022 draft isn't that they already have Carson Wentz. The reason for the commanders not to take a quarterback in the 2022 draft would be simply they don't like the quarterbacks in this draft. And that the commanders have traded for Wentz may well be indicative of the commanders not liking the quarterbacks in this draft. 
Uh, that said, both Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis look quite good at their pro days. Now, what does that mean? Uh, who knows? I mean, pro days consist of guys performing drills in shorts. There is no defense. You're playing against air, okay? So, like, you're supposed to look good at your pro day. But both Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis look good at their pro days. Uh, Willis has a rocket launcher of an arm. We already knew that, but the arm was very much on display during his pro day on Tuesday. The concern with Willis is his accuracy. Uh, Malik Willis, over his two seasons at Liberty 2020 and 2021, had a completion percentage of just 62.4, including in his 2021 senior season, having a completion percentage of just 61 Point one. Now, completion percentage at times is misleading, so consider this. Malik Willis for the 2021 college football season ranked just 73rd among all qualified quarterbacks in the FBS in Pro Football Focus's uncatchable pass rate. Uh, not good. But Willis's arm strength, his mobility, his personality all make him pretty clearly the quarterback in the 2022 draft with the most upside. And that, to me, is the key word for the commanders at quarterback this offseason. Upside. Uh, that's why I don't mind that the commanders didn't trade for Matt Ryan. Uh, I believe that Carson Wentz offers more upside than Matt Ryan offers, even though Wentz also comes with more risk than Ryan comes with. Uh, but here was ESPN NFL draft analyst Todd McShay on Center on Tuesday on Malik Willis off watching him at his pro day at the Liberty Indoor Practice Facility in Lynchburg, Virginia. Kenny Pickett at Pittsburgh yesterday had a really good workout, showed arm velocity and really showed some things that you weren't sure of on tape. Today, it's just a confirmation of what we know about Malik. Yes, only two years as a starter at Liberty. Yes, there's still some learning to do at the quarterback position, but this guy is, has tools that you simply can't coach. The ball explodes off of his arm. And I've loved what, he's, what they've done with some of the off-platform things, but the deep balls have been, they're just different level. You know, you talk about some of the top-tier quarterbacks in the NFL and the way the ball comes off the arm, the way they can drive it vertically. And look at the ball placement on some of these throws. I know this, this is set up for success for quarterbacks, but ultimately you've got to come out here and show what you have from a talent perspective. We know that right away when he's drafted, he's going to be one of the three or four most athletic quarterbacks in the league. And he's also going to be one of the top five or six quarterbacks in terms of arm strength. The rest has to be developed, but you certainly are getting a quarterback with a skill set. Like I said, you simply can't cannot coach. All right. Todd McShay on Tuesday, loving himself some Malik Willis. Uh, Malik Willis for the 2021 college football season was number one among all qualified quarterbacks in the FBS in Pro Football Focus's big time throw rate at 11%. Uh, here was McShay on Tuesday comparing Malik Willis with Kenny Pickett. Well, Kenny Pickett has 49 starts, right, at a higher level of competition. He He's ready to come in the league and, and kind of mentally is there in terms of working with, with Mark Whipple as an offensive coordinator and, and knowing more NFL concepts. But with, with Malik, you just you have this high ceiling. And, yes, there's a lower floor, but I think you see a stronger arm. You see a quarterback who's able to make more throws in terms of on the move, even though Pickett is underrated with his athleticism and ability to extend plays. But Malik is different. I mean, you're getting a quarterback. He's not Lamar Jackson, but he's not that far off in terms of the arm strength and the athleticism that he brings. All right. How about that? Todd McShay comping Malik Willis, at least to an extent, to Lamar Jackson. 
Uh, remember rule number one of sports comps. You can only compare white guys with white guys and black guys with black guys, okay? That's the rule. Uh, but seriously, Lamar Jackson is awesome. Uh, Malik Willis being comped to Lamar is high praise for Malik. And, you know, Lamar is a guy who was not supremely accurate in college, but Lamar has become much more accurate at the NFL level. Perhaps that'll happen with Malik. So the commanders have the number 11 pick in the 2022 draft. There is zero consensus in terms of whether Kenny Pickett and or Malik Willis will still be available at 11. Uh, ESPN NFL draft analyst Mel Kuyper Jr. on Tuesday morning came out with his latest mock draft. Uh, Mel in his latest mock does not have a quarterback being taken in the 2022 draft until Kenny Pickett at number 18 by the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Mel has Malik Willis being taken at number 20 by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Mel has the commanders with the number 11 pick taking LSU corner Derek Stingley Jr. Writes Mel, quote, circle April 6th on your calendar. That's when scouts will get the chance to see Stingley on the field for the first time since he injured his foot in September. He had surgery on the Liz Frank and didn't work out at the Combine. It's a crucial day for a corner once viewed as a potential number one overall pick. As a true freshman in 2019, he was one of LSU's best players on the way to its national title. Stingley has played in just 10 games over the past two seasons and has some inconsistent tape. I'm still betting on his upside, but he could drop if he doesn't test well. Washington had major injury issues at corner last season, and it could upgrade its unit with Stingley. I also thought about a receiver to partner with Terry McLaurin for a new quarterback, Carson Wentz. End quote. Uh, Stingley is very talented, but at least as things stand right now, uh, there would be real risk in taking him with that number 11 overall pick. But writes Mel in his section on the Saints taking Kenny Pickett at 18, quote, this is a strange quarterback class and the range on when Pickett and Malik Willis come off the board varies from everyone I talk to in the league. No one knows for sure. I would not be shocked if either of them fell into New Orleans' lap here. End quote. Uh, here was Mel on Tuesday on ESPN's Get Up on Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, and Matt Corral. All three of these quarterbacks are vying for the top spot. It's still wide open. Kenny Pickett I gave the slight edge to. He's got 49 career starts. He's going to be a 24-year-old rookie. Yeah, he had a solid, solid career overall. You know what you're getting, kind of a Kirk Cousins type there. Malik Willis, though, has the most upside. He's kind of the right-handed version of Michael Vick with the way he can run the football with his powerful rocket arm, but he's raw. They need some time. So you have Trubisky there for a year or so. See how that goes. It'll be a perfect scenario if he fell to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mentioned Matt Corral. Matt Corral's coming off of an ankle injury. So you think about where he is right now, where he'll be late April. Late April, he could be QB1 with the ability to run the football, that gritty competitor. He can really spin it, Matt Corral can. So I really think it's a three-horse race right now. I think there's three guys at the quarterback position, Pickett, Willis, and Corral, all vying between now and April 28th to see who will be coming off the board as the number one quarterback. That is still to be determined. So you heard Mel Kuyper Jr. use the magic word upside in talking Malik Willis. So also interesting to hear Mel bring up the possibility of Matt Corral being the top quarterback in the 2022 draft. Look, it may be that all of these quarterbacks in the 2022 draft aren't worth taking. It may be that this is just a bad draft for quarterbacks. And it may be that 
if the commanders are going to draft a quarterback sometime soon, they should just wait until the 2023 NFL draft. Because by then, the commanders obviously will know if this uh, Carson Wentz thing, if the Carson Wentz experience is working out. My whole point is the commanders should not be afraid to take a quarterback in this 2022 draft, including in its first round, because they have traded for Carson Wentz and because taking a quarterback in the first round of the 2022 draft might hurt Wentz's feelings or whatever. The commanders must do whatever they need to do in order to finally get themselves a franchise quarterback. And in the NFL, until you have a franchise quarterback, you can't stop looking for a franchise quarterback. It's as simple as that. Up next, my conversation with Colts insider Mike Chappell of Fox 59 CBS 4 Sports in Indianapolis on why exactly the Colts traded Carson Wentz. Could it be that the Colts trading Wentz after just one season with them is a lot more about the Colts owner and CEO Jim Ursay than the Colts trading Wentz after just one season with them is about Wentz? And if the answer to that question is yes, then that's a big deal And that should reshape how a lot of us look at the Carson Wentz trade for the Commanders. Uh, Trust me, you don't want to miss my chat with Mike Chappell. It's straight ahead. All right, so we all like to eat and need to eat, but we're all dealing with inflation and high gas prices, and we're all busy. So here's a great, affordable, and easy way to have your meals, HelloFresh. HelloFresh is great. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. No more spending the gas in your car and the time in your day on grocery shopping. No more worrying about what to eat and what to feed the kids. And no more spending a lot of money on food. HelloFresh makes home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. This is why HomeFresh is America's number one meal kit. And HelloFresh is offering something very special to listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. More on that shortly. But if you want to eat healthy or at least eat healthier and you want to eat food that tastes great, you got to try HelloFresh. We eat HelloFresh and love it. We just had it over the weekend. Uh, we got the food and recipes for sweet chili pork and cabbage stir-fry, Monterey Jack unfried chicken, and pub-style shepherd's pie. The meals were outstanding. Even my four-year-old son eats HelloFresh, and all that he ever wants to eat are peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Even he likes HelloFresh meals. Uh, The recipes come on these colorful sheets that you can save and refer back to. Cooking the meals doesn't take long at all. HelloFresh is the way to go. HelloFresh offers 50 menu and market items to choose from every week. You can customize your orders and HelloFresh will save you money. A HelloFresh meal on average is 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal of the same quality. And you can save on average over $65 a month by ordering HelloFresh instead of grocery shopping. So here's what you do. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Galdi16 and use the code Galdi16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. You can't beat that. Again, HelloFresh.com slash Galdi16. Use the code Galdi16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. One more time, HelloFresh.com slash Galdi16. Use the code Galdi16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. 
Well, this episode of the Al Galdi podcast is for Wednesday, March 23rd. It was two weeks ago, March 9th, that the commanders agreed on their trade for Indianapolis Colts quarterback Carson Wentz. It was one week ago, March 16th, that the trade became official. It was on Monday of this week that the Colts found their Carson Wentz replacement in trading for Matt Ryan and only giving up a 2022 third round pick to the Atlanta Falcons for Ryan. Uh, There remain a lot of questions that we have as Commanders fans regarding the Carson Wentz trade. Most of us, including myself, did not love the trade when it happened, but many of us, including myself, are open-minded about the trade and are at least receptive to what Ron Rivera has had to say about why he made the trade. I mean, we're not just swallowing everything that Ron says, but we are willing to listen. Of course, the biggest concern with Carson Wentz is why the Colts traded him just one year after giving up a 2022 conditional first round pick and a 2021 third round pick to the Philadelphia Eagles forum, especially considering that the Colts head coach is the Carson Wentz whisper, right? Frank Reich, uh, with whom Wentz had success over his first two NFL seasons, 2016 and 2017, which were Reich's last two seasons as Eagles offensive coordinator. Well, could it be, might it be, that the Colts trading Carson Wentz after just one season with them was all, or at least mostly, about the Colts owner and CEO, Jim Ursay. Does ultimately the Colts trading Carson Wentz after just one season with them say more about Jim Ursay than the trade does about Carson Wentz? I want to get to the bottom of why truly the Colts traded Carson Wentz, because the why matters a lot in terms of what we as Commanders fans should be thinking about Wentz. And so joining us now on the Al Galdi podcast is a special guest, Colts insider Mike Chappell of Fox 59 CBS4 Sports in Indianapolis. Uh, Mike has covered the Colts since they came to Indy in 1984. He knows the team and its inner workings exceptionally well. Mike, it's nice to talk to you, man. How are you? Uh, doing well. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, before we get to Carson Wentz and the Commanders, uh, the Colts now have their Carson Wentz replacement in Matt Ryan. Uh, do you view Matt Ryan as an upgrade over Carson Wentz? Knowing how last year went and where they were, yes. How much we'll see. I look at him as Philip Rivers, ho- hopefully a, a notch above what they had with Philip Rivers two years ago. Uh, this isn't where they want to be changing quarterbacks this will this will be the sixth straight year opening day they've had a different quarterback the fifth for frank Reich. this isn't the way you build a team but this is where they are they made the best of a bad situation all right so you use that phrase bad situation from your perspective why did carson wentz last for just one season with the colts you know it's it's so strange and it's one of those situations i don't know that i've seen before around here and i've been around for a long time it, i don't know I, I had different people tell me things off the record not that, not a good fit they question his leadership uh the ability to take coaching and criticism so boy as a quarterback is any player but but primarily a quarterback you have to be able to work within the building and, and i got the impression that was missing and, and that just compounded the fact that over the last half of the season, he didn't play very well. Now, let, first of all, people need to understand, he wasn't the only reason this team imploded at all. If the defense makes a few stops, gosh, in Baltimore overtime, if they make one stop, 
in the second half. One, I'm not. I'm just one play. Stop a two point conversion. They're in the playoffs. You know, and in the, the the offensive line sprung the league. So this wasn't all Carson Wentz, but but in the NFL, your quarterback has to be the calming force and has to be the guy that lifts you above things when, when things don't go well, whether it's a defense not working or, or whatever. So it didn't work. He played awful the last two games. I mean, really didn't play well at all. He averaged, I don't know, all of his numbers really plummeted the last half of the season. And one of the telling comments that we've gotten, it's been repeated a lot, is when Chris Beller talked to Carson Wentz after the season, he just said, make the layups. You know, make the layups. He repeated that phrase about four times. It's He made some hero throws, the one against Arizona, one against Tampa, and he threw for 400 yards against Baltimore, but too often there were plays to be made that he just didn't make. You know, and, and an effective quarterback, yes, you make the hero throws, but boy, complete 65, 66%, move the chains, and, and do what you need to do, and too often he did not do that. Why do you think it is that Carson Wentz did not convert on the layups as Colts quarterback? I don't know. If you, if you look at his career, he's, he's never been a, a great accuracy quarterback. He's always been around, if I'm not mistaken, 62, 63%. So that's, that was never like one of his selling points. It was always the athleticism and extending plays and making the great throws down the field. And if I look at the way his – if when you start – when you step back and when things, the dust settles and he's there and we've got Ryan now, if you look at the way his season went, how it just, it just sort of, you know, waned, it just sort of tailed off. That to me, it sort of plays into the idea that he didn't take coaching well. He, he didn't listen to what they were saying or, or at least take, take it under the playing field. So that makes some sense to me then. But I just think this is sort of who he is. And, and that's what they decided. What is he going to be? Is he 29 or 30, whatever it is? And they decided that this is who he is. And going back 13 months, they thought they could, for the lack of a better word, it, it always sort of rubbed them the wrong way, but fix him with what was wrong the last year in Philly. And it didn't work. And the only thing that I would, give caution for Washington is that it didn't work with with, with Frank Reich who who Wentz had his best years in Philly with. So and for them to turn for them to turn away from Wentz so quickly, and this was owner driven, it was Jim Irsay is not uh, a, a meddling owner on any level. He is not. This is not Bob Irsay uh, and I know people on the East Coast still kind of consider you know Jimmy his dad and he's not he's as far removed as you can be from that he does not meddle he has input and he suggests and he urges for him to sort of drive this is unusual at the highest degree it really is so for them to walk away from a quarterback who had 27 and 7 I mean on the outside looking in you're thinking what are you guys doing The, the numbers are there but for them to walk away from that, not really knowing where they were going. Let's take Matt Ryan out of the equation, because when they when they decided to do this early, early in January, they had no idea, none, 
good they were going to get. No first round draft pick, so you're 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 kind of handicapped. Not kind of, you're handicapped in the draft. The free agent market was awful, and and who knew who was going to go where? They, they they didn't know until last Thursday or Friday that Matt Ryan was even in play. So to me, for them for them to to, to move on from Wentz after one year told me volumes about what at least the owner wanted to do and it wanted to have he wanted to have anybody but Carson Wentz as his quarterback. We're talking Carson Wentz with Colts insider Mike Chappell of Fox 59 CBS4 Sports in Indianapolis. You hit on something that has come up quite a bit here in the Washington, D.C. area, and it's something that I very much wanted to explore with you. So this idea of the Colts trading Wentz after just one season with the team, why is that? Because that is such an obvious red flag. Well, was it in fact the case that the Colts trading Wentz was more about the owner and CEO Jim Irsay having soured on Wentz more than anything. Uh, we have the three main power brokers with the Colts as Irsay, general manager Chris Ballard, and head coach Frank Reich. Do you believe that all three of those guys were on board with trading Wentz? And I wasn't in the room when all this was talked about. Remember, Irsay called the Reich and Ballard in the night of the Jacksonville game. He never does that, ever. They, they always give you that cooling off period, but in his mind, this, it, the Ursa, this had to be done. And I'm guessing that it was hard. I, I'm, I'm guessing Frank Reich didn't go to that meeting expecting to be told that they were done with wins. I, I don't believe that. And I think Frank would have been okay with running him back out there and saying, you know, there were a lot of things that played into last season that didn't to, to not enhance wins. You know the, the truncated off season work. Uh, he 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 breaks a bone in his foot to like the second day of training camp, misses all the training camp, and then he has the ankle injuries in, in week two. So everything plays against Carson Wentz. Everything. Uh, so I could have really understood Frank Reich going to the, to the mat one more year with him. Chris Ballard probably not that strong in favor. So now whether it was Jim Irsay said, hell no, and Frank and Chris Allen said, well, and, and, and Frank said, you know, we can do it again. It really didn't matter because the owner had his mind made up. This is owner-driven, it is. And at the end of the day, they're going to give a, a unified front. So I think we're going to get that whenever we talk to the coach and the GM about this. But this this was one of those, again, I'll stress, one of those rare times where the owner really stepped in and said, no, this is what we're doing. Come hell or high water, not knowing who. Because when they, when they made this decision, the only quarterbacks on the roster were Sam Ellinger and James Morgan. Not exactly household names in a, in a quarterback fraternity. So it was just a unique, unique situation. And fortunately, with, with Matt Ryan, they've been able to mitigate their, 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 their losses in, in a bad situation. Did you think that the Colts should have gone with Carson Wentz as their starting quarterback for a second consecutive season, or did you agree with the Colts moving on from Wentz? Yeah, it's, re it's really hard. Uh, probably move on, just because uh, that, that was, uh, this is after talking to people in the organization. They, 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 they were just done with it. And if you don't trust your quarterback, what do you got? And, and enough people, <laughs> enough people with votes 
didn't trust him. I was I was concerned with with what Plan B was going to be. It's kind of funny. No sooner did the Colts trade for Matt Ryan than Atlanta signed Marcus Mariota. Well, he's the one that I thought maybe they would go with Mariota. Mm-hmm. I thought they would try to find that bridge to get to 2023 and just try to muddle through 2022. Uh, but they, but again, Ryan fell in their laps. So it, it's the, the, the problem that the, the folks in Indy have owner. I don't know so much Ballard and Wright worry about it, but the fan base is you look around the AFC and oh, gosh, all you see are young, great quarterbacks. Yeah. The Burroughs and Herbert and, you know, Allen on and on and Mahomes. Mahomes is going to be one of the older guys now. But, and then you're sitting here with nothing. Or, or with the Carson Wentz who just, who just didn't do, all he had to do is make a couple of plays against the Raiders in, in Jacksonville and, and didn't do it. Again, I, I don't mean to lump everything on, on to Carson Wentz. But they just sort of saw they were stuck and they, they were going to move forward regardless. And that, again, I, I keep coming back to that. If that doesn't tell you how much they were over Carson Wentz to, to, to move on without knowing. So many times you, you make a move because you know you've got player B in place. They didn't have that. So you just told you how they, they were ready to move on after, after barely 13 months. Yeah, and that's something that we've talked about a lot. The many red flags with Carson Wentz include a supposed resistance to coaching. You hit on that. But there's also this supposed lack of leadership. And lack of leadership is something that has come up with Wentz uh, regarding his time with the Eagles. Uh, Leadership is an abstract concept. Leadership can mean different things to different people. Do you know of specific examples of Wentz lacking in leadership? Uh, when they drafted, uh, I'll veer here, but I'll get back to it. When they drafted Sam Ellinger, he had, he had the it factor, the it factor. And he, he lacks the arm strength and size, but he's got, he's got the intangibles. That, that's great. That's great. But no one can ever really say what that is. I mean, <laughs> what's it? You know, I, one of the all-time greats that I, in, in Washington, even had a taste of it was, was Jeff George. One of the greatest arms I've ever seen. One of the greatest arms I've ever seen. And he just didn't have what a lot of people call the it factor. And, and they just didn't think that, that he, that Carson Wentz had that. And having said that, there have been a couple players who have come up in, in, in his support. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, their rookie running, or the league rushing champ was in, is in his corner. So, so I, it's, it's such a, a Hard thing to, to point to. Apparently, if you're in the position that the Colts power brokers are, that they can kind of see it or, or see that you don't have it. But boy, if you told somebody, okay, give, give me five examples of, of this guy not being a leader. I mean, he, he, he played hurt. He, 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 you know, he, he made, he, he tried to make the plays when they were there by extending them and running and putting his, his body at risk. So in, in it, the fact that we, as the media, weren't in the locker room because of COVID protocols and restrictions, and all we got was, you know, face to face in 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 the press room interviews, you don't see interaction, and sometimes you don't see it even when you're in there. So I, I can't even begin to, to speculate on what the lack of leadership meant. I, I don't know, 
but uh, they, if nothing else, at least one person in the building didn't see it, didn't didn't believe that it would be there. You, you, know, you either have or you don't. You, you can't make somebody a leader. You just I've seen too many instances where where a team has tried to make player X a leader, and he's just not. He's he's a great player, but he's not a leader. And if you don't have it, you don't have it. And you're not, you know, you can't, you, you can't train to be a leader. You either are or you aren't. And enough people, <laughs> meaning one, didn't believe he was a leader and didn't trust him. <laughs> you know, it's funny you bring up the Jonathan Taylor thing. So Ron Rivera, over the last few days, has started to get out there the commander's side of the story. Because this trade was not very popular initially here in the D.C. area. And one of the things that Ron has brought up is, well... Uh, some of Carson's Colts teammates have come out in support of him. Ron brought up Darius Leonard. Uh, Ron also brought up having had conversations with Doug Peterson and Frank Reich. I mean, does it strike you that Ron is maybe onto something and that maybe this just was mostly a Jim Irsay thing and maybe the commanders are getting themselves a halfway decent guy? Or is Ron selling us a bill of goods? Because we've been debating that. Like, is Ron just sort of saying this stuff to try to sell us on the trade? Or is there a lot more to this trade than we realize? That's a good question, and maybe that's what he needs to do to to uh, to, to sort of give Wentz a level playing field going in and sort of wiping the slate clean as they move forward. You're always going to find players who like a guy, and it's funny. You're going to hear from a handful, and it's only, it's only been a few players. I, I don't want to parcel that, but it's not like we've had 30 players who might say, gosh, Carson Wentz was a great guy, and I hate to see him go. It's been, you know, it's been a handful not even a handful. A few players do it. You very rarely, if ever, I can't remember the last time that players who didn't like the guy said, "Good riddance, man! <laughs> I can't believe they got this for him." You know, I, I was fearful would come back with him. So it, it, it's a difficult balancing act, and I, I don't blame Rivera for doing what he's doing. I bet he wishes he had more ammunition to where he's got a list of like eight players you know, th- that were in favor of, th- that really hated to see Wentz go. And, and by all accounts, whenever we, we talked to Carson Wentz, I mean, you know, we got him every week and after games, he was fine. We, you never, sometimes you get the, just a vibe. And, and it, boy, that's a, vibes and body language are really, really uh, risky things to try to, to read into. But we, we never got, you know, any kind of a bad, a, a, a bad aura from Carson Wentz. He, he said, "Well, he, he never was a great quote from media standpoint." So you know, but he, but he he just said what he needed to say, and you know, and again, we never got very much depth in, in, into who he was and how he operated. So it, it's I understand Rivera doing that, but again, like I said, I, I wish he, I bet he wishes he had more people he could say these guys really hate seeing him go. So we got a pretty good guy. I think you're, you're just. You'll get what you get, and and maybe the light finally goes on, and and, and things work for Wentz. Because again, if you step back and look at the numbers and, and consider nothing else, the yardage and now the yards for a temper down a bit, but but twenty seven seven, you go into any season with a coach and a GM, and you tell him his quarterback's going to go four to one touchdown interception, they'll say, "Sign me up now," and. Uh, but, but it, it, it's so much more than that. I tell you, and, and something they'll never really, we'll never hear for a lot of reasons is his, his not being vaccinated bothered, 
it, it, it bothered the owner and, and they roll, they were rolling the dice with it. And then, you know, they get, they test positive, whatever it was before the last two games. And, and the problem they have is the team lead, a lot of the team leaders weren't vaccinated. Darius Leonard, uh, Braden Smith, Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, these are their, these are their leaders and they weren't vaccinated. Now, now, Reading into it, maybe maybe the owner thought that well, you know, if, if my quarterback had been more of a leader and gotten vaccinated and done this with the team, maybe. And and I'm not even going to remotely question a guy's decision to not get vaccinated. It, 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 if they didn't do it, they had a darn good reason, and that's on them. But at the same time, it put the team at peril it, in cold hard football. It put the team at peril, and I'm convinced on some level that the fact that so many players tested positive late and the way they faded, I think they were connected. That's interesting. That does make sense. I want to run something by you that I was told. Carson Wentz being so religious has been a turnoff to some people. Have you ever heard that? No. No, I mean, he he, he didn't like, he, he didn't, it only seemed to come up when it was in the flow of what he was saying, he did, I don't. It was obvious that, that, he, that he was a very devout player and, and per, per, player but person, and it was and, and it was kind of in his fiber. I never it, it never got to be over the top where you know hey come on okay we get it, and it, it never came off as, as as fake. It was this is who he is, and Frank Wright's the same way. That's one reason they initially bonded at the at the pro day so so no that, that, that i i just that was that never came off as a negative in my mind and maybe i'm reading that wrong okay uh one more for you and i appreciate your time what would you say was good about carson wentz in the 2021 regular season as you've referenced uh, some of the stats were quite good uh the colts for a while were doing quite well uh what stood out to you about wentz in a positive way this past season Strong arm, uh, his capability in the pocket, making plays with his legs. Uh, again, he threw the ball well downfield. Uh, you know, and again, the twenty-seven touchdowns. It, it always goes back to the negative zone. There were too many plays that he didn't make decisions. The left-handed interceptions and a pick-six down by the goal line against, I think it was Tennessee, where you just or the Rams, maybe it was. It's just they all run together now. But when it came time to make the plays, he didn't make it. But but at the same time, again, four hundred some yards against Baltimore, and he, and he was the reason they were they were winning and should have won that game. So that was good. And just to close with, again, he wasn't the main, the only reason they lost. He wasn't. But they thought he should have been better at not letting them lose certain games. If that makes any it makes any sense. It uh, does make sense, very much. Colts insider Mike Chappell of Fox 59 CBS 4 Sports in Indianapolis has covered the Colts since they came to Indy in 1984. Mike, thank you so much for your time. All the best. Thank you, Santos. All right, good stuff from Mike Chappell. Up next, the best of and my thoughts on the introductory press conference for new Maryland basketball head coach Kevin Willard. Uh, he talked about winning national championships at Maryland He talked about Maryland being a top 10 head coaching job in college basketball. He also called Juan Dixon 
Jawan Dixon. I'll get to all of that and more after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. We, on Tuesday evening, had the introductory press conference for new Maryland basketball head coach Kevin Willard. Uh, The presser took place at Xfinity Center in College Park. Uh, This was a 6 p.m. presser. I'm not sure why Maryland waited until 6 p.m. to do the press conference. You know, when you do an introductory press conference, you, in theory, want the presser to get as much attention as possible, right? Right. Uh, doing an intro presser at 6 p.m. sort of buries the presser because the day is essentially done and the next day is 12 hours away. And who knows what else will have happened by then. If you want to maximize conversation about your intro presser in the news cycle, uh, you really should do it earlier in the day. Like what the commanders did with the Carson Wentz introductory press conference last Thursday. The Carson Wentz intro presser took place last Thursday morning. That was a 10.30 a.m. presser. That's when you do a big introductory press conference so that you can own the day. Uh, Anyway, the Kevin Willard intro presser was on Tuesday evening. So Willard was Iona's head coach from April 2007 to March 2010 and was Seton Hall's head coach from March 2010 to March 2022. Uh, Kevin Willard as Seton Hall head coach Went just 1-5 and five in NCAA tournament games, but Kevin Willard as Seton Hall head coach and as Iona head coach won a combined 28 games over Associated Press top 25 teams. Uh, that really stands out to me, given what we went through with Mark Turgeon as Terrapins head coach. He rarely beat ranked teams. Maryland hired Turgeon as head coach in May 2011. The Terps with Turgeon as head coach did not win a road game against a ranked team until February 2019, close to eight years after he was hired as Terps head coach. Here was Kevin Willard on Tuesday evening on leaving Seton Hall for Maryland. 
I would not have moved my family and left a, a place that I loved very dearly if I did not think this was a place that we should be winning national championships and is that is a top 10 job. And that's what I believe this is. And that was the vision that Damon gave to me from the start, was that this is the University of Maryland. This is an unbelievable job in an unbelievable area. And as I very quickly and my family have quickly found out with unbelievable people, We've been so welcomed in just the, the two days that, I've, that we've been working together. Uh, I would just like to say, Damon, thank you so much for the tremendous opportunity that you have given my family and I, and that we will work every day to make sure that we are competing for national championships every day. All right, so Kevin Willard talking about winning national championships, plural, at Maryland. Uh, Kevin Willard saying, that Maryland is a top 10 head coaching job in college basketball. Now, one of the things with Maryland basketball that I talked about on Tuesday's show, episode 276, is the need for more excitement for the program, you know, more juice for the program. Maryland basketball, since winning its national championship in 2002, hasn't had nearly enough high achievement. But even beyond that, Maryland basketball has fallen off big time in terms of local interest. When Maryland made back-to-back Final Fours under then-head coach Gary Williams in 2001 and 2002, you could argue that Maryland basketball was the number two team in the Washington, D.C. area in terms of interest. I mean, the Redskins were number one, but Terps basketball arguably was number two. Uh, The Wizards did have Michael Jordan as a player at the time, so you could say that the Wizards were number two at the time. But remember, the Wizards with Michael Jordan were never that good of a team. Uh, Well, Maryland basketball right now isn't close to being the number two team in the D.C. area in terms of interest. Uh, Maryland basketball is nowhere near the big topic today that Maryland basketball was at its peak 20 years ago. And so take a listen to this from Kevin Willard at his introductory press conference on Tuesday evening. You're going to hear an interesting message, though you're also going to hear two screw-ups by Willard. Here you go. In 1999, I was, I was working for the Boston Celtics. Uh, I was a uh, I was an ass- it wasn't really an assistant coach. I was more of a video guy, uh, advanced scout. And back then, college basketball wasn't like it was now, where it's on TV every night, and Tuesday you can get this game, Wednesday you get this game. Back then, they had Big Monday, and I, I, Coach Williams and I were talking in the office. Uh, it was a Thursday night game. And in 1999, I turned on the TV, and there's Joe Smith and Stevie Francis, and they're running up and down the court, and they're throwing alley-oops, and they're dunking, and they're playing, and there's Coach Williams. He's going up and down the sideline. He's sweating. He's got the tail thing going. I loved it. And I remember watching Maryland basketball, and I remember thinking to myself, I want to play for that man. I want to play at that school, because they had such swagger. They had such confidence. They had a, a a way about them that when you watch Coach Williams' teams, now as a coach and I go back and I look at your teams, they were so fundamental, they passed, they had a great assist turnover ratio, they, they pressed after free throws, they always kept teams off balance. I know it all, Coach Williams, I watch your games. But his teams had a swagger, his players had a swagger. The University of Maryland had a swagger. And what our teams are gonna do and what we are gonna do is we are gonna bring that swagger that Coach Williams had and that Joe Smith, Stevie Francis, Steve Blake, uh, I can keep on going on for 
Jawan Dixon. Um, we are going to bring back that passion, that energy that Coach Williams coached with, that his players played with, and that the swagger was something that a kid that grew up in Huntington, Long Island, turning on ESPN and watching a Maryland game, all of a sudden wants to go play at the University of Maryland and play for a guy because that's how his teams played. All right. So interesting to hear Kevin Willard make it a point to say that he is going to bring back, he is going to restore the passion and energy that Gary Williams coached with and that his players played with, that the swagger is coming back to Maryland basketball. Uh, That's good to hear. That is important to hear. Maryland basketball desperately needs more passion, more energy, more swagger. Now, a lot of that, of course, will come if the team wins more. And I don't just mean has good records, because in terms of Mark Turgeon as head coach had good records, I'm talking about making deep NCAA tournament runs and generating big regular season wins. The Terps desperately need these things. The number one task for Kevin Willard as Terps head coach is to bring back these things, is to restore these things. Now, we, in that cut that I just played for you, also had a few boo-boos from Kevin Willard. Uh, I'm not going to make too big of a deal out of the boo-boos, but uh, he did talk about (laughs) Joe Smith and Steve Francis playing together in 1999. Uh, They did not play together in 1999. They never played together at Maryland. Uh, Joe Smith played for Maryland for two seasons, 1993 to 1995. Uh, Stevie Franchise played for Maryland for one season, the 1998-1999 season. So, you know, simple mistake by Kevin Willard. I'm not going to crush the guy, okay? People sometimes get confused with who played with who and when, and you know, it's not the end of the world that Kevin Willard did that, but he did do that at his intro presser. But how about Willard calling Juan Dixon, Jawan Dixon? Uh, Did you catch that? Jawan Dixon. Yeah, (laughs) Jawan Dixon. Uh, Kevin, the guy's name is Juan Dixon. He's arguably the greatest player in Maryland basketball history. Juan Dixon, not Jawan Dixon. Jawan Dixon. No, Kevin, it's Juan Dixon, not Jawan Dixon. Uh, Anyway, not that big of a deal, but Kevin Willard probably should be getting Juan Dixon's name right uh, now that Willard is Maryland's head coach. But going back to this idea of Maryland basketball becoming exciting again, you know, make Maryland basketball exciting again. So as I talked about on Tuesday's show, Kevin Willard's Seton Hall teams did not exactly play at a lightning fast pace, did not exactly play at a super exciting pace. Seton Hall under Willard routinely was among the slower teams in the nation in terms of pace. KenPalm.com has a stat called adjusted tempo, which is possessions per 40 minutes adjusted for opponents. Seton Hall finished last season 264th in the nation in adjusted tempo. Uh, Seton Hall this season is just 170th in the nation, in adjusted tempo. Going to be interesting to see the style of play that is employed by Kevin Willard's Maryland teams because style was a problem for Mark Turgeon's Maryland teams. Uh, They were slow. They were boring. And in recent years, uh, they were terrible at shooting threes. But ultimately, of course, this all comes down to winning. And if you make deep NCAA tournament runs, if you generate big regular season wins, then your style of play doesn't matter nearly as much 
as it otherwise would. High achievement. Maryland basketball needs to get back to that. High achievement. Hopefully, Kevin Willard will get Maryland back to that. Well, rough night for the Capitals on Tuesday night. They got ripped at home by the St. Louis Blues. Caps fell to 35-20-10 with a 5-2 loss to the Blues at Capital One Arena. Uh, the Caps lost a second consecutive game in regulation of having gone 7-0-1 over their previous eight games. Uh, also on Tuesday night, the Carolina Hurricanes beat the Tampa Bay Lightning 3-2. The Pittsburgh Penguins defeated the Columbus Blue Jackets 5-1, and the New York Rangers lost at the New Jersey Devils 7-4. So the Caps this season have 80 points. Caps are second in the Eastern Conference's wildcard standings, uh, three points behind the Boston Bruins, still 13 points ahead of the Blue Jackets. Remember, the top two teams in each conference's wildcard standings will make the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, Caps are fourth in the Metropolitan Division, now 10 points behind the division-leading Hurricanes, seven points behind the second-place Penguins, and five points behind the third-place Rangers. Uh, Marcus Johansson, Mojo, on Tuesday night, made his uh, re-debut for the Caps off having been reacquired by them on NHL trade deadline day on Monday. Got a nice ovation at Capital One Arena. Uh, the Caps' other acquisition on NHL trade deadline day on Monday, Johan Larson did not play. He's coming off sports hernia surgery that he underwent in early February. Caps uh, were without multiple other key players, too. Forward TJ Oshie did not play for a third consecutive game due to a lower body injury that he suffered in a Caps 7-2 win at the Columbus Blue Jackets last Thursday night. Center Nick Dowd did not play for a second consecutive game due to an upper body injury. Forward Carl Haglin remains out indefinitely of having undergone left eye surgery on March 1st. He suffered the injury in practice earlier that day. Defenseman Trevor Van Riemsdyk did not play for a second consecutive game due to an upper body injury. And for Joe Snively, remains out due to a left wrist injury. The Caps on March 6 announced that Snively had undergone a left wrist procedure and would be out four to six weeks. So the Caps are missing a lot of guys right now, but the Caps on Tuesday night were not good. Like, just because you're missing so many guys doesn't just excuse you to not play well. And the Caps did not play well on Tuesday night. Uh, they lost a puck possession battle. Caps for natural statric had 38 five-on-five shot attempts to the Blues, 46. How about this? The Caps had just 21 shots on goal to the Blues, 38. The Caps, over the final two periods, had just eight shots on goal to the Blues, 23. Uh, Caps head coach Peter Laviolette, during his postgame press conference, talked about the Caps having made too many mental mistakes, too many soft mistakes. The Caps gave up way too much traffic near their goaltender, and the Caps' goaltender was not nearly good enough. Uh, the Caps on NHL trade deadline day on Monday, did not acquire a goaltender. You wonder if they'll come to regret that. Uh, Vitek Vanacek on Tuesday night was the Caps starting goaltender for an eighth time in 10 games, and he stopped just 33 of the 37 shots on goal that he faced. Uh, Vanacek, per natural stat trick, stopped just four of the eight high danger shots on goal that he faced. Uh, Caps went just three of four on the penalty kill. Some bright spots for the Caps on Tuesday night. If Genny Kuznetsov remains hot, uh, he had a first period power play goal. Kuzi now has a career best 10 game regular season point streak. Uh, I mentioned the Kuzi goal being a power play goal. So the Caps power play remains hot. Caps went one of two on the power play. Now are 21 of 68, 30.9% on the power play 
over their last 21 games. Uh, Tom Wilson had a first period even strength goal and a secondary assist, so a two-point night for Tom Wilson. He now has a career-best 44 points this season, 19 goals and 25 assists. And Alex Ovechkin had another good game. Uh, No points, but he had a team-high tying four shots on goal and a team-high nine-shot attempts. Andy Pernatural stat trick finished number three on the Caps in five-on-five shot attempt percentage for the game at 62.5. The Caps with Ovechkin on the ice in five-on-five situations in the game had 20 shot attempts versus allowing 12 shot attempts. But the Caps defensively were not nearly good enough on Tuesday night. Uh, Next up for the Caps, back-to-back games this weekend uh, at the Buffalo Sabres Friday night at 7 and home to the New Jersey Devils Saturday night at 7. All right, before we call it a show, some Nationals and Orioles news from Tuesday. So MLB teams were required by 1 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday to agree on 2022 salaries with all arbitration-eligible players. If deals were not agreed on, then competing salary figures had to be submitted to MLB for arbitration. Well, the Nats agreed on deals and thus avoided arbitration with six players. Uh, Right fielder Juan Soto, first baseman slash left fielder Josh Bell, and four pitchers, Joe Ross, Eric Fetty, Tanner Rainey, and Austin Voth. Uh, The Nats did not agree on a deal with center fielder Victor Robles. So the Nats and Robles have filed for arbitration. But the Nats got deals done with six guys, including Juan Soto and Josh Bell, right? Two of the Nats' uh, top hitters. Uh, Soto's 2022 salary reportedly will be $17.1 million. Uh, That is one of the largest salaries ever for a player in his second year of arbitration eligibility. Uh, Meantime, the Orioles on Tuesday reached agreement with only one of their three unsigned arbitration eligible players. Uh, That player reliever Tanner Scott, the O's, did not reach deals with two significant uh, arbitration eligible players. First baseman slash outfielder Trey Mancini and starting pitcher John Means. Uh, And so the O's appear headed to arbitration uh, with Mancini and Means. You know, the O's for years have had an approach of file and trial with arbitration uh, as opposed to settling prior to reaching arbitration. You can still reach a deal with a guy even after filing for arbitration with the guy, but the uh, Orioles mantra for years has been, okay, if you file, then we go to trial. And uh, so I would expect that uh, to be happening here with Trey Mancini and John Means. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Thursday show, episode 278, will feature plenty on the Commanders. I'll welcome on a special guest to talk Commanders, Commanders insider Ben Standing of The Athletic. He has done some really good reporting on why Rod Rivera traded for Carson Wentz. Also, Ben was at Liberty's Pro Day on Tuesday. So he saw Malik Willis live and in living color. Uh, Also, new commander's guard Andrew Norwell is expected to do an introductory press conference on Wednesday. So we'll hopefully have that to discuss on Thursday's show. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll talk to you on Thursday. Juwan Dixon. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.